One last time on your missions emphasis Sunday to the book of 2 Kings, 2 Kings. And in just a few moments, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 8 of 2 Kings chapter number 4. 2 Kings chapter number 4 and verse number 8. I just can't thank you enough for allowing me and Miss Cassie to be here today. Uh, Pastor, we absolutely would not miss it. We are so we're so thrilled at what the Lord is doing here at the Calvary Baptist Church. And you know, I'm so very grateful for the 30 years that God has already given the popes here. But I'm just persuaded to believe, having been here today, that the best is yet to come. Amen. Amen. I was blessed to share lunch with your pastor and some wonderful folks in the church today. I mean, they took us to the king of the sea. I mean, you get treated like royalty around here. I mean, listen, you got the marriage supper of the lamb, and then you got the king of the sea. It doesn't get any better until we get to heaven, amen? And we just enjoyed the fellowship. And I told your preacher today, I said, listen, I'm trusting the Lord for another 30 years for Brother Steve Pope, Miss Tammy, as the pastor and the pastor's wife of the great Calvary Baptist Church of Union Grove, North Carolina. Boy, he's still fired up after 30 years, man. God's still giving him vision, and God's giving him vigor. And I believe with all of my heart, as you follow the man of God's faith, he's going to lead you to even greener pastures in the days to come. We're absolutely thrilled to be a part of your missions family. We could not do what God has put in our hearts to do without supporting pastors like your pastor without supporting churches like the Calvary Baptist Church. Uh, I want you to remember with me that, that van that we're driving tonight. A few years ago, you gave a special offering towards that. We're still driving it. We're pushing 200,000 miles and shooting for 300,000. Amen? And uh, you've been a big part of that from the very beginning. So thank you for your prayers, your support. On the way out today, if you would be so kind is to pick up a prayer card. Would you help us pray for safety? We're traveling about forty to 50,000 miles a year just on the highway, not including air miles. And I don't know if you realize it, but people on the road, they have lost their minds. Would you say amen to that? I mean, I was driving down the road the other day and I saw this lady. She was driving with one hand and, and uh, she, she was eating a ham biscuit with the other hand, putting on makeup and texting all at the same time. And I finally turned to Cassie and I said, put all that stuff down and drive this van. I mean, listen, people have lost their minds out there on the road. And so if you could take a prayer card. People ask me all the time. This is what they ask. In fact, your pastor asked me this this morning. He invited me into his study and he said, listen, what do you need? What do you need? I didn't have to think five seconds. I said, your prayers. Really pray, pray that God would keep us safe. We was blessed to be in South Dakota last week with one of our church planners. And listen, I'd rather be way up there in the air than trying to get to the Atlanta airport. Amen? So if you would help us pray for safety, we certainly would appreciate that. Also have information on the table tonight about Macedonia World Baptist Radio. We are broadcasting the gospel literally around the world 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you carry a smartphone, whether it be a Droid or an Apple product, this little card will tell you how you can load the Macedonia World Baptist Radio app on your phone 
And 24 hours a day, you can listen to conservative Christian music with an emphasis on reaching the world with the gospel. Please pick that up on the way out. It's absolutely free of charge. The radio is absolutely free of charge. We would love for you to be a part of that. Listen to it every single day. And then we have information about the Macedonia Institute of World Evangelism. This is a two-year course. We've just got started with this preacher. I'm so excited about it. And it's an, it is an internet institute. And the reason we wanted to do that is because who better to teach classes on reaching the world with the gospel than missionaries that are on the field doing it right now, getting the job done. We call it Macedonia Institute of World Evangelism. You can take six classes a semester. You can take one class a semester, pay by the class. It's very, very affordable. And I think you'll find it a great, great blessing. You do everything online. You do your homework online. You take your tests online online. Uh, I think you'll find it very interesting. Check it out, Macedonia Institute of World Evangelism. And then one other thing, and we'll get right into the Bible. The Focus on the Field magazine will allow you to become somewhat more acquainted with what the Lord has called me and Miss Cassie to do. And uh, as far as being a blessing and a help to local churches, by helping them get their missionaries to the field and then to sustain them once they get there. You're a big part of this by supporting us every single month. So on the way out, I'll be standing back there, and I want to get as many of these in your hand as we possibly can. Again, they're absolutely free of charge. Well, have you found your place in the book of 2 Kings? If so, would you please stand tonight? 2 Kings chapter number 4. Notice what your Bible says beginning with verse number 8. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed, and a table, and a stool, and a candlestick. And it shall be, when he cometh to us, that he shall turn in thither. Now, we're going to be using our Bibles tonight throughout the course of the message, and therefore I trust you'll leave them handy. I told you during the service this morning, if you'd come back tonight... I would ask you a question, and I would use that question as the title of my message this evening. The question is simply this. Does it really pay to serve God? I have no doubt in my mind, maybe not on the first night, maybe not only uh, on the second night, but maybe about the third night when the fatigue started setting in last week, the enemy tried to convince you that what you're doing it's just not worth it. Maybe he whispered in some of your ears, you know, it really doesn't pay to serve God. Well, I want to ask the Bible that question tonight. And I want to allow the Bible to answer it scripturally. Does it really pay? Does it pay to have a VBS? Does it pay to work a bus route? 
Does it pay to be faithful to the house of God every time the doors are open? Does it pay to have a family devotion time? Does it pay to have a prayer life? Does it really pay to serve God? While examining this Old Testament story, I think you and I, we're going to see tonight that yes, yes, a thousand times yes, it pays in many ways, to serve God. Father, thank you for the word of God tonight. May it find a lodging place in each of our hearts and we'll give you glory and honor in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for standing. You can be seated. Again, here in the book of 2 Kings chapter 4, we not only read of the continuing ministry of Elisha, but we also read the minist- about the ministry of a nameless woman as well. In fact, if you'll notice once again in verse number 8 of the text verses before us, even though this dear woman's name is never mentioned in the canon of Scripture, God did, through the pen of the writer here, declare that she was a great woman. Now, surely you would agree with me when I say it's one thing for one human being to point out another human being and say, now, there is a great individual. But brother, when God calls an individual great, I don't know about you, but it tends to make me want to sit up and take notice and question and allow the Bible to answer the question, what is it about this woman that caused God to call her great. There are those who commentate from the, on the Bible that this woman was identified in such a manner because she was a woman of finances. She was a woman of wealth. Uh, but I don't agree with that whatsoever. I think God called this woman great not because of her finances. I believe God called her great because of her faith. Can I take my Bible and prove it to you tonight? Notice three things about this little woman just by way of introduction to the message this evening. First of all, notice number one, the woman's persuasion. Now it's very evident from studying the context of the chapter that she, along with her husband, were of the Jewish persuasion. And although theirs was more of a social distinction, uh, they were yet humble and devoted worshipers of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the true and the living God. So the Bible calls our attention to the woman's persuasion. There's something else the Bible calls our attention to when it comes to this little woman. Not only the woman's persuasion, but the Bible is careful to reveal to you and I that this, ladies and gentlemen, was a woman of spiritual perception. Notice the woman's perception. Did you happen to notice what this great woman told her husband in verse number 9? The Bible says that she said unto her husband, Behold now, watch your Bible, I perceive that this is an holy man of God which passeth by us continually. And so yes, the word of God teaches us this, ladies and gentlemen, was a woman of spiritual perception. She knew God enough to know there was something different about this man of God by the name of Elisha. 
I have no doubt that this great woman must have had a commanding view of the well-traveled road from Samaria or Carmel to Shunem, often watching those passing by, maybe making comments to her husband about those who appeared to be somewhat different than the others. Well, such was a passerby by the name of Elisha, a man of grave and masterful countenance, wearing a pastoral mantle and having a long staff in his hand. Although this woman might not have known who he was initially, his whole demeanor attracted attention and marked him as an holy man of God. This was a woman of spiritual perception she knew with all that was within her there was something different about this man by the name of Elisha and therefore she and her husband determined to make provision for the man of God and therefore the Bible not only teaches us about her persuasion in the Bible not only teaches us about her perception but notice what the Bible teaches us about the woman's provision. For the man of God. After speaking with her husband in verse 9 concerning the prophet, beginning with verse 10, she begins to speak with him again concerning the provision. She says, let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick, and it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. And according to the word of God, that is exactly what this little woman and her husband did. They did make a little chamber. And within that first little chamber, they placed a bed, which spoke of the provision of rest for the man of God. They placed a table, which spoke of the provision of fellowship for the man of God. They placed a stool, which spoke of the provision of instruction for the man of God. And they placed a candlestick, which spoke of the provision of witness for the man of God. And in the eyes of mortal men, what this little woman did didn't amount to much. But in the eyes of Almighty God, I want to tell you, it was something great. However, the casual Bible reader would read this little woman's story and they would no doubt question, my, was it really worth all the effort? I mean, do you know how many trips this woman had to make to Lowe's and the Home Depot of her day in order to provide that first little prophet's chamber? Do you know how much money they invested? Do you know how much time and input each of them collectively had to put in that first little chamber? And I have no doubt maybe her unbelieving friends or neighbors or maybe her family members told her, what in the world are you doing? Have you lost your mind. It doesn't pay to make the investment in the man of God that you're making. Many others would have called to her and said, you know, it just doesn't pay. Well, you know what? I'm really not interested tonight to know what her unbelieving friends would say. I'm not interested to know uh, what her unbelieving family members would say. I'm not even interested to know what the casual Bible reader says about the investment this little woman made into the ministry of the man of God. But I'm very interested to know what God has to say. And so again, I want to use this little woman's story and ask the Lord, 
and allow God, since he speaks through the pages of his Bible, to answer from the Bible tonight. Does it really pay to serve the Lord? We'll notice three things directly from the King James Bible, which in turn will prove to each and every one of us tonight that yes, yes, a thousand times yes, it pays to serve God. First of all, notice number one, the service in this woman's past. The service in her past. Let me remind you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, God never calls our attention to the fact that this woman is great because of her rank or because of her wealth or because of her social status. Can I encourage you to consider the fact there is no indication whatsoever that this woman was endowed with great knowledge or physical skill. There is no record in the word of God that this woman was strikingly beautiful as was Sarah, Abraham's wife, or Queen Esther. There is no record whatsoever in the canon of Scripture of this woman saving her people as did Queen Esther or leading her own people to the Lord as did the woman at the well having been converted by the Savior. This woman wasn't a leader. She wasn't even the mother of a great leader as was Hannah or Jochebed. However, we do have record of this woman doing what she had within her power to do and doing it with all of her might. And because of that, because of her faith, because of her faithfulness, God said she was great. Notice two things about the service in this woman's past. First of all, her service was recognized. Oh, listen, her service might not have meant much to her unbelieving neighbor down the street, but it surely meant something to God. And even more importantly, it meant something to uh, the man of God. And I know that because God specifically included what this little woman did in the canon of Scripture right down to the last stick of furniture that they put in that first little prophet's chamber. I'm telling you, God recognized her service. Oh, and let me remind you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, if you are a servant of the Lord, you should not ever let anybody tell you that what you're doing for God just isn't worth it. Can I tell you what God said? Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10. God said, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. Man may and no doubt will forget, but God will never, never forget. I want you to know God keeps really good records. So for every one of you that labored last week, every one of you that went the extra mile to be a blessing to a little child that made their way to the vacation Bible school, every one of you that sung the songs that led in worship, even those of you that willingly took a pie in the face, I want to tell you God keeps really good records. Men may forget, but God will never forget. This woman's service was 
recognized. This woman's service was rewarded. First of all, her service was rewarded with the gift of a male child. Can I prove it to you? Look at verse 11 of 2 Kings chapter 4. And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber and lay there. And he said to Gehazi, all right, now let me stop right there long enough to say this. Do you see that name Gehazi? We're coming back to it. So I want you to make a mental note right here, all right? We're coming back to it, all right? And he said, verse 12, to Gehazi, his servant, notice what he said, call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And she said unto him, say now unto her, behold, Thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among mine own people. And he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Verily, she hath no child, and her husband is old. And he said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. And he said, about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. So yes, God recognized this woman's service, but I want to tell you, he did more than recognize it. God rewarded her service with the gift of a male child. God opened this woman's womb and blessed her with a male child. Now I'd say that's a pretty good return on her investment in the ministry of the man of God. Amen. I'm telling you, the service in her past, yes, it was recognized, but it was rewarded. It was rewarded with the gift of a male child. Her service was rewarded with a mighty miracle. And the reason that I say that is because according to this same chapter, they came a day when the son, there came a day, rather, when the son that God gave this dear woman died. You can read about it in verses 18, 19, and 20 of this very chapter. No doubt you remember the story. He was in the field. He cried, my head, my head. They picked him up, took him back to his mother. She lay on his lap and eventually died. That little woman took her son lay him on the bed of the man of God in the prophet's chamber, ran for the man of God, having obtained him. The Bible teaches in verse 34 of this chapter that Elisha lay upon the child. He put his mouth upon his mouth. He put his eyes upon his eyes. He put his hands upon his hands and he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm. According to verse 35, Elisha did it again. The child sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Brother, this woman's service was rewarded with the gift of a mighty, mighty miracle. 
No, she wasn't a woman of wealth or beauty or status, but she was a servant of the Lord. And because of that, God himself called her great and rewarded her service time and time and time again. The service in this woman's past. Yes, it was recognized. And yes, it was rewarded. And so when you study the Bible and as you consider the service in this woman's past, you would have to agree, yes. Oh, absolutely, yes. It pays to serve God. But yet there is something else that proves to us that it pays to serve God. Notice not only the service in this woman's past, but notice, secondly, the solemn warning of the prophet. Now, I'm just going to be as honest as I possibly can be here. For years, having read and studied my Bible, I thought this woman's story ended in 2 Kings chapter number 4. But it doesn't. In 2 Kings chapter number 8... Her story continues. Would you turn there with me? 2 Kings chapter number 8. Notice if you would please the first two verses of scripture. Then spake Elisha unto the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise and go thou in thine household and sojourn wheresoever thou canst sojourn, for the Lord hath called for a famine, and it shall also come upon the land seven years. And the woman arose and did after the saying of the man of God, and she went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. So now here in 2 Kings chapter 8, the woman's story continues. Here, Elisha begins to give this woman a very solemn warning. I mean, after all, she had been very good to him by caring and for providing for him. And now God continues to reward her service by informing her through the prophetic ministry of the man of God by the name of Elisha that a famine is on its way. It's coming. Elisha tells the little woman that she needs to leave her house. She needs to leave her farm and that she is going to have to sojourn wheresoever she can sojourn. There's also an interesting observation that can be made at this point as well. Most Bible commentators agree that this woman is a widow by now. Her husband is no longer in the picture. In fact, when Gehazi spoke of him previously in 2 Kings chapter 4, you remember what Gehazi said about him? He's an old man. You never read about him again. He's never in the picture in the remaining canon of Scripture. And therefore, can you just imagine the anxiety, the fear that no, no doubt gripped this woman's mind? I have no doubt in my mind this woman was concerned. 
I mean, after all, she was made up of the same stuff I'm made up of. And now she's being told through the ministry of a man of God that she loved and that she respected and admired that she needed to leave her house, to leave her belongings, to leave her farm and live in a strange land for seven long years. And by the way, did you happen to notice where God gave her permission to dwell for those seven years? She is dwelling right in the midst of one of, if not the most unlikely place that a Jew would ever dwell. She's dwelling in the midst of Philistine territory. Now, brother, that's the arch enemies of the people of God. Yet my Bible tells me in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse number 7, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. And so the Bible says that she went and did according to the saying of the man of God. And just as God had promised, the famine came. I don't know how you are when you read and study your Bible, but every time I read a Bible story like this, I'm tempted to put myself in that story. I've often wondered what this woman did to make ends meet down in Philistine territory. Now, I can't know for absolute sure because the Bible doesn't say, but she had to do something to make a living. She had to do something to make ends meet. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say this, but I wonder, I just wonder, maybe she took in washing and ironing. I don't know. Maybe she baked cakes and pies. I don't know. Maybe she opened up the first little Philistine daycare there in Philistine territory so she could sort of underhandedly and undercover tell those Philistine children about the great and wonderful God that she served. I, I, I don't know what she did. The Bible doesn't say, but the Bible does say this. When she pulled out of Shunem, and when she went down to Philistine territory, brother, the only thing she had to hold on to was a promise from the man of God that the famine was coming and that the famine would last seven years. I have no doubt, brother Ricky, I have no doubt in my mind Maybe after she sent the last little Philistine kid home. Maybe after she finished the last load of washing and ironing. Maybe it was after she finished the last cake or pie that she gathered her son together. They sat around the table in their little apartment or wherever they lived in Philistine territory. And I believe they enjoyed a meal together. And then I believe they took out as much as they had then of the word of God. And I believe they read the Bible. They held on to the promise. I believe after family devotions, I believe she might have said to her son, son, I want you to go in that back bedroom back there and bring in that calendar that we brought with us from Shunem. Of course, he would do so. They'd bring the calendar and set it on the table where they're at and day by day, they'd mark off another day. Mark off another day. One year turned into two. Two years turned into three. Three years turned into five. Five years turned into seven. 
And at the end of seven years, I believe at family devotions that night, the woman said to her son, now son, I want you to pack your bags. I'm not going to take in any more washing and ironing. I'm not going to bake any more cakes and pies. And we're closing the daycare down because, son, it's time to go back home. But mama, there's a famine going on. No, no, what? There was a famine going on. According to the man of God, at the end of seven years, it ended today. Pack your bags, son. We're going back to shoot them. Now, this is another message for another day. But if I don't get this out of me, there's no telling what it will do. If there ever would have been a time when this woman's son would have said to his mother, Now, Mama, if you want to go on back down there to shoot them, you have at it. But I like it here in Philistine territory. I mean, down here in Philistine territory, they don't care, they don't, uh, uh, care what kind of Bible you carry. There's all kinds of Bible. There's no dress code down here in Philistine territory. Nobody's standing over you, making you do right. If you want to go on back to that old way of living and shoot them, you can have at it. But mama, I'm staying in Philistine territory. You'll never read that in the Bible. You want to know why? I'll tell you why. Because this young man saw enough of God in his mama to when that mama said it's time to go home, his, that little boy said, and boy, he's not a little boy at this time. He's early, mid-twenties at this point. This fella, he said, listen, if mama says it's time to go, my mama goes God. My mama has served God in the midst of these seven hard uh, years in Philistine territory. And if mama says it's time to go home, I'm going with mama. And so they pack their bags and they're going back to shoot them. Now, can you imagine how excited they are, especially this woman? I mean, she hasn't slept in her bed in seven years. She hasn't prepared a meal for her family in her own kitchen in seven years. She's looking forward to being back at her place in Shunem. And from the moment they pull out of Philistine territory all the way back to Shunem, she has a spiritual spring in her step because she's going home. And therefore, you can just begin to imagine how disappointed she was to get home just to discover that she can't get into her land or her house. Can I show it to you? Look at verse number 3 of 2 Kings chapter number 8. And it came to pass at the seven years end that the woman returned out of the land of the Philistines. Notice your Bible now. And she went forth to cry unto the king for her house and for her land. What has happened? I don't know what happened. The Bible doesn't go into great detail to reveal it to us here. But something had to happen to cause this woman to go cry unto the king for her house and for her land. 
Some Bible commentators feel after she and her son made the trip back from Philistine territory that maybe there was a sign hung on the gate of her property saying back taxes owed no admittance. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. It could have been that some of her neighbors having seen and realized that she had been gone for seven years assumed squatters rights on the property and they told her, oh no, you can't get this. You left seven years ago. This property is no longer yours. I don't know what happened, but something had to happen to cause this woman to go cry unto the king for her house and for her land. Can you imagine what the devil is telling her on the way to the king's palace? The devil's saying, boy, are you a fool. Here you are, you invested in that first little prophet's chamber, just trying your best to be a blessing to that fire-breathing crazy man by the name of Elisha. And look what it's got you now. Seven years down there in enemy territory. And by the way, where was the man of God down there in enemy territory? He didn't come and visit you for seven years. There's not a record of a single pastoral visit in seven years. And you still kept a smile on your face. You still offered the sacrifice of praise. And you read your Bible every night. And you and your son prayed. But where's your man of God? He didn't even send you an I care letter. He didn't even text you to let you know that he had been praying for you. And you down there serving God and living for God when things didn't make sense. What a fool. It doesn't pay to serve God. Now you've lost your land. You've lost your house. You've lost your farm. You've lost your way of making a living for your family. You've lost everything. It doesn't pay to serve God. But little did this woman know while she was on her way to the king's palace, simultaneously, the great God of glory was working on her behalf. Can I prove it to you? Notice verse number four. Now remember, in verse three, she's on her way to the king's palace to cry to the king for her house and for her land. Now verse 4. And the king talked with, hey, does that look familiar? Gehazi. Remember a few minutes ago I said, now hold on to that name. Make a mental bookmark right here because we're coming back to that name, Gehazi. Look at verse 4. Here he is again. And the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, I pray thee, all the great things Elisha has done, hath done. Do you understand what's happening here? I'll tell you exactly what happened. When that old king got up that morning, the thrice holy God of glory run a thought through his mind. Today, old boy, you've just got to hear about the ministry of Elisha. 
So when he got up that morning, he was absolutely consumed. He had to know about the ministry of this fire-breathing man of God by the name of Elisha. Pastor Pope, I believe he assembled his cabinet together. And I believe he announced to his cabinet, hey, when I woke up this morning, I had an overwhelming desire to hear about the ministry of Elisha. Does anybody here know anything about a man of God by the name of Elisha? I believe one hand within the cabinet went up and they said something like this. Hey, King, I don't know where Elisha is at this time, but he had a servant and his name was Gehazi. I know where he is. Would you like for me to bring him in so you can ask him about Elisha? I'm sure he could tell you everything you wanted to know. I believe the king responded by saying, absolutely, because I've just got to hear about the ministry of Gehazi, of Elisha. And so they brought Gehazi in before the king. And the king explained to Gehazi how that he had an overwhelming desire to hear about the ministry of Elisha. And then I believe the king began to ask Gehazi, they tell me that you was his servant. Can you tell me anything about the ministry of Elisha? And I believe Gehazi said something like this. Okay, can I ever tell you about the ministry of Elisha? King, there are so many stories I could tell you that would absolutely make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. But let me just tell you one story. I know I have a limited audience in front of you. So let me just tell you one story that I feel impressed of the Lord to share with you. King, there was this woman. And this little woman lived in a place called Shunem. She wasn't a woman of wealth. She wasn't a woman of status. She wasn't strikingly beautiful. But she had a desire in her little heart to do something for the glory of God. And I believe, King, she realized that she best served her God by serving others. And she wanted to reach out and be a blessing to the man by the name of Elisha. And so, King, she got together with her husband. And they built the first little prophet's chamber. And Elisha, every time he passed by, he would go inside that little chamber and he would find rest and he would find provision. Oh, king, it was such a blessing. Uh, so much of a blessing that Elisha told me one day, bring that Shunammite in here. And they brought the Shunammite woman in. We brought her in and gave her audience before the man of God. And Elisha, the man of God, asked her, what is to be done for thee? And I'll never forget, she could have said anything she wanted, king, but she simply bowed her head and she humbly said, I dwell among mine own people. And God put it in the man of God's heart to inform the woman that God was going to miraculously open her womb in spite of her and her husband being old and God was going to bless them with the gift of a male child. Now as Gehazi is telling that story, the king is about to fall off of his throne. He is intrigued by the story. Gehazi continues, Oh king, that's not all either. That little boy eventually grew up. He was out in the field with his daddy one day working. 
And he cried, my head, my head. King, most Bible commentators feel that he had some sort of sunstroke, but he collapsed in the field. The servants of his father picked him up, took him back, lay him on the lap of this great woman of Shudam, and he eventually died. King, I remember that woman picked up her son and lay him on the bed of the man of God, and she ran for Elisha. She was determined to get Elisha. In fact, King, I will never forget, when Elisha first saw her, he had me to ask the woman, is it well? How you doing? Is everything okay? And I remember how that woman responded. She wasn't bitter towards God because her son had just died. She wasn't full of unforgiveness. Oh no, she answered by faith, it is well. When the man of God eventually discovered that her son had died, he went to where her son was. He stretched himself out upon the boy. He put his hand upon his hand. He put his eyes upon his eyes. He put his face upon his face. That little boy began to breathe on his own. He sat up, he sneezed seven times. And King, I'm here to tell you, I was there. I saw it with my own two eyes. God touched that little boy and raised him from the dead. The king is salivating as he hears the story. He absolutely cannot believe it. Now stop right there. You remember where the woman is? She's on her way to the king's palace. And while she's on her way to the king's palace, the devil's saying, you're a fool. You know the king's not going to give you an audience. Best thing you can do is turn around, throw up your hands, throw down your Bible, turn in your VBS staff card, and go home. Because your days of serving God are over. God has forgotten you. God has forsaken you. It doesn't pay to serve God. But yet there was something in that lady's soul that caused her to keep putting one foot in front of the other. There was something that drove her on. She had remembered what the man of God said. She had seen God do miracles before and she was convinced that he was able to do exceeding abundantly above all that she or her son, either one, could ever ask or think or get. It was her faith that drove her onward. So she reaches the king's palace. She begins to knock on the door. As she knocks on the door, Gehazi is in the process of telling the king about the ministry of Elisha. But the king becomes somewhat distracted because somebody is knocking on the door. The king becomes somewhat deterred. Wait just a minute. Wait just a minute. Hold it, Gehazi. Hold that thought. I want you to finish because I've just got to hear the finish of that story. Now, would somebody open that door? and bring whoever that is knocking on the door in here. Verse 5. And it came to pass 
as he was telling the king how he restored a dead body to life, that behold, the woman whose son he had restored to life cried to the king for her house and for her land. They opened the door and in marches this woman and her son. And if you look in the latter portion of verse 5, the Bible says that Gehazi says, and I'm going to say it just like I think he said it then. My Lord, O King, this is the woman. (laughs) This is, I, I just can't believe it. Man, this is the woman. And this is her son, whom Elisha restored to life. Verse 6. And when the king asked the woman, she told him. Ma'am, when I woke up this morning, I had an overwhelming desire to hear about the ministry of Elisha. Somebody in my cabinet knew about Gehazi. They went and got him, brought him in. And for the last little while, he's been sitting here telling me about the ministry of Elisha. He told me about this little woman that lived in a place called Shunem that said she did all that was within her power to be a blessing to the man of God. He told me about a little prophet's chamber and how that they placed within that prophet's chamber a bed and a table and a candlestick and a stool. And they told me the investment they made. They realized that they can best serve God by serving others. And he told me that same little woman had a baby boy and that boy grew up after a few years and then he was in the field one day and he cried my head my head and he eventually died Gehazi told me that that woman took that little boy laid him on the bed of Elisha went and got Elisha Elisha come back stretched himself out upon that little boy and God brought that boy back to life again ma'am is there any truth to that story and when the king asked her She told him, oh yeah, that's exactly right, King. Everything Gehazi told you was true. And King, I want you to know, I am that woman. And this is my son. And by the way, King, for the last seven years, I've been down in Philistine territory doing whatever I could do to make a living, to make ends meet down there. I've took in washing and ironing. I've done baking. I've started the first little Philistine day. I did whatever I needed to do, King, to make ends meet, knowing and believing that the great Elisha, the one that you've been hearing about for the last several hours through the ministry of Gehazi, he told me that this family was going to last seven years. And at the end of seven years, I could come home. So I got up and I was so excited to come home. And King, when I got home, I couldn't get into my land. I was so excited about sleeping in my bed tonight and cooking a meal in my own kitchen. Is there anything that you could do for a little widow woman like me? We've seen the service in her past. We've seen the solemn warning of the prophet. We're fixing to see the sweet payoff. Verse number six. And when the king asked the woman, she told him, So the king appointed unto her a certain officer 
saying, restore all that was hers and all the fruits of the field since the day that she left the land, even until now. Do you see what just happened? When the woman told the king, the king said, hey, bring the secretary of treasury in here. We fixing to write a really big stimulus check. You know what they did? Now about this time, God run another thought through that old king's head. Here was the next thought. God said, you're feeling real generous about right now because it really pays to serve God. So the king brought in a certain officer. I believe they brought in all their tablets, everything they had to calculate figures in those days. And you know what they did? They backed up seven years and they figured what her farm would have produced in revenue for seven years. And by the way, it was tax-free. Now you know God's all over that, amen. When the king asked her, she told him. Boy, I want to tell you when the king wrote that real big stimulus check and she was headed back to her house, the devil wouldn't know where around then. I have no doubt she took that stimulus check and she was probably waving it in the devil's face saying, here's my God. Here's my God. This is why you serve God when it doesn't make sense to serve God. This is why you go to church when you don't feel like going to church in your flesh. This is why you tithe when you got more month at the end of the money than you do money at the end of the month. This is why you work a bus route week after week after week and don't see as many saved as you would like to see saved because you know by faith down deep inside if you do your part, God will do his and it pays, it pays, it pays in many ways to serve God. Now I say this and I'm through. You've listened so well. I have no doubt in my mind since you're made up of the same stuff I'm made of. The enemy has told you you're a fool. Get up there in that choir and sing every week. They never ask you to sing a solo. You're an idiot. It doesn't pay. You do all the things you do around here and you keep the toilets from running over. What a fool. What a fool. It doesn't pay to serve God. I'll tell you, I've been where your preacher is at. Not only is he a great Bible preacher, he's, he's an author. I, I, I don't know if you realize what goes into one message that your preacher preaches every week. Hours and hours and hours of study and prayer and preparation. And sometimes you have nothing but faith to go on when you preach your heart out and seemingly no one is interested in what you have to say. 
And the enemy has told your pastor time and time again, it doesn't pay to serve God. Those of you that work bus routes, the enemy has told you, I don't know what you're doing. You're an idiot out here knocking on doors and it's 100 degrees outside. Those of you that work in the kitchen, those of you that made the snacks for every little VBS child attendee last week, the enemy has tried to tell you time and time again, it's not worth it. It doesn't pay. Well, do you want to know where we're at in this story, where we're at in this story right now? Let me tell you where we're at in this story. We are right in the middle of enemy territory. We're there right now. We're serving God in enemy territory. We're living for God in enemy territory. But we're we're fixing to go to the king's yeah. house. And when we go to the king's house, we'll know then by fact what we can only know now by faith that it pays in many ways to serve God. Hallelujah. It pays to serve God. Woo, I love preaching on this concrete. I'll tell you, the next time I come, I'm going to practice the moonwalk. You can moonwalk on this thing. But it pays to serve God. You've listened so well. Would you bow your head with me? Oh, Lord Jesus. I believe with all of my heart, the next event on your prophetic calendar is when we hear those words, come up hither. Father, we're fixing to go to the king's palace. And of course, we'll know then that it pays to serve God by fact. But today, we trust you by faith. And Lord, you teach us in your word that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I believe you've included this great woman's story in the canon of Scripture to say to every born-again child of God at the Calvary Baptist Church of Union Grove, North Carolina tonight. Hey, you just keep on praying. You just keep on preaching. You just keep on smiling and living for God. You just keep on reaching those VBS children, you just keep on preaching in that nursing home because you may be in enemy territory today, but we're fixing to go to the king's house. Lord, until that day comes, would you help us follow the godly example of this great woman? Lord, in 2 Kings chapter 4, we read of miracle after miracle after miracle. But in the first few verses of 2 Kings chapter 8, there are no miracles. There are no visits from Elisha. Elisha's not coming by anymore. There's a famine in the land. And seemingly, all hope of deliverance is gone. Lord, I believe it was then during those seven years the enemy tried his best again to convince this great woman that it doesn't pay to serve God but Lord what a great example she set for each of us in that she 
kept her eyes on thee, she was determined to go through. When she couldn't track you, she trusted you. I believe somebody here tonight just needs to trust you. Maybe they have tried to pray and seemingly the heavens are brass. I pray tonight they trust you. When everything has gone wrong, I pray tonight they trust you. Knowing by faith that it pays to serve God. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed in just a few moments. Your precious pastor will come and he will close the service as he sees fit. I realize I've preached to the child of God tonight. I did that because that was what God laid on my heart. But I just wonder tonight, maybe there is someone here and you've never met the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Tell you what I believe about that Bible. I believe it's so powerful, God could use any portion of it to bring a sinner under conviction and show him or her their need of a Savior. So if you're here tonight and you're lost, I sure would love to pray for you. I wonder if there's just one with an uplifted hand that would say, Preacher, I I'm just not sure if I were to die today that I'd go to heaven. Would you please pray for me, Preacher? Would you slip your hand up? just want to pray for you. Is there one at all? Is there one at all? Then let me ask you this before I close my part of the service tonight. I wonder if you'll just determine with me to keep your eyes on Jesus. Oh, I know how discouraging it can get at times. I understand that. You know, sometimes we, we like to seem so super spiritual that we just don't allow things to bother us. Well, you know, it's just not so. We're human beings. We're flesh and blood. And sometimes when things don't go our way, and when ministry doesn't seem to be as fruitful as we would like for it to be, we hear the enemy whisper in our ear, what a fool. What a fool. You're wasting your life serving God. But I pray tonight, God will use this simple Bible story to show you that it pays in so many ways to serve God. I wonder as we stand to our feet all over the building tonight, I wonder if there are some nursery workers here in this building that would just like to make a brand new commitment to the door that God has opened for you to serve in the nursery because God keeps really good records. I wonder if there's a choir member here tonight that would just like to make a brand new commitment to the open door of ministry that God has presented you to be a part of the choir. How many Sunday school teachers here in the building tonight? Would you slip your hand up? Anyone at all? Sunday school teachers? Wow, several Sunday school teachers. Hey, the enemy ever tell you? You're a fool. <laughs> They're not listening to you. It doesn't pay to serve God. 
Maybe there are some Sunday school teachers in the building tonight that need to make a brand new commitment in this altar to your Sunday school class, believing by faith that it pays to serve God. Maybe there are some husbands here that need to make a brand new commitment to your family, to your home, believing by faith that it pays to serve God. Fathers, Pastor Pope comes. I pray you do in every individual heart that that needs to be done. In Jesus' name I pray.